Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm very keen to preach a few um, sermons. In fact, I've got... I want to do... No, in all seriousness, I want to do a series of three sermons. And, yeah, I was just... I was praying to God, going, what, what, you, what is in your heart, Lord? What are you, what are you saying to us, the congregation? And I felt, I felt him saying, past, present, and future. And... Uh, it's quite a, quite a broad topic, but I think for us as a church, I, I'm keen to go through this thing of our past. And tonight I want to speak about our past, because it's a big, there's a pretty one of the biggest topics. Like, and for believers, obviously the biggest thing about our past is we, we've been saved. Like we've been forgiven and, and brought from a sinful past into an experience of meeting with Jesus and being forgiven. And then then the present, what does that look like? Like once we've been forgiven, we are living in this, this present reality of being believers, of, of walking with Christ. And I'll hopefully get into that next week. And then the week after that, or the, the time after Andrea shared, or the 11th, it'll be the week after that, I'll talk about the future. What does that look like for believers? Because often I think we go like, well, we'll be with Jesus. And what does that mean? We'll just be walking around in the clouds and playing hops and just being real ethereal. No, I believe that there'll be a real heaven and there'll be stuff that we'll be doing, new heaven and new earth. So I dig to get into that as well. Bit of eschatology, you know. Okay, yeah, everyone's excited about eschatology. All right, let's talk about the end times. <laughs> wow, okay, cool. <laughs> so tonight I want to talk about the past, right, the past tense. And, and all of us have got a past. In fact, here's a, I was just about thinking about this sermon. Most of our lives at this point, for all of us, have been lived in the past, right? And there's a guy called um, Herb Cain, who no, none of you will know and none of you would have heard of, but he had a really good quote. And his quote was this, I tend to live in the past because most of my life is there. And how true is that? And for some of us, that might be a daunting prospect going, most of my life is in the past and I have to live with decisions that I've made in the past. And sometimes we make good decisions which we look back on and go, that was a great decision. And other times, most of the time, hindsight, we look back and go, ah, maybe that wasn't a good decision or maybe I could have done something a little bit different. And so we have this, this relationship with the past which can be positive and negative, but it's always going to be there. Okay, and so I want to delve a little bit into this because, as I said, the past is always with us, and uh, there's three points I want to work through, and then we can eat lots of soup and eat bread. So, forgiven of our past is the first point I'm going to work through. The second point is living with the past, okay, and the third point is living in the past, okay, and I'll explain what I mean by all of those. But I want to talk firstly about being forgiven of our past. Now, if we think of past as believers, we all know that we, we, we've come from a place of having no assurance of salvation. And we get to this point as believers where the most important thing for us actually is that assurance of salvation, the assurance that Christ has forgiven our sins. He's forgiven our past actions, which is an incredible incredible assurance. And I, I spoke last week very quickly about Ephesians 2, and I want to just, I want to break it down a little bit, what it means to be forgiven, and actually why we need to be forgiven. Because often, often we go, like, well, I've been forgiven. Like, wow, what have you, why have you been forgiven? What have you been forgiven of? 
So Ephesians 2 says this, and it starts off with a bang. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to walk when you conformed to the ways of this world and to the rulers of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All of you also lived among them at one time, fulfilling the cravings of our flesh and indulging its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places or heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might display these, the surpassing riches of his grace, demonstrated by his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so, as we read that passage, for some of you, your first reaction might be one of shock. Or maybe a bit of surprise, going, I was never really a bad person person. <laughs> I was never really in trouble with the law. In fact, I, I kept the law. I was quite a good person. I lived a good life. And now you're telling me that I was once a child of wrath. And it says, by nature, a child of wrath. Or I was dead in sin. These are quite hard things to talk about. Or Fulfill the cravings of the flesh. These sound like things that are, are associated with people who are maybe a little bit depraved. Is that what I'm saying to you? Well, yes, because that's what Scripture says. And you might have lived a good life and kept the laws of the land, but at some point... We all have broken God's law. And so spiritually, we have sinned against God. And I, I want to take that a step further, because you're going, okay, like I, I, I think I probably have sinned against God at some point in my life. But let me take it a step further. We were all born with a sinful nature. Scripture says we were by nature children of wrath, which means our nature was that. And our nature was turned towards sin. In fact, some theologians would say we were incapable of not sinning. Lance and I have had many discussions about, about this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone wants to um, have a word, yeah. But we were by nature children of wrath and we were incapable in some sense of not sinning. We were incapable of not sinning. And so we find ourselves in this position where we have sinned against God and thus we are guilty against the holy God. And the good news is, and this is the good news, the good news is we were all equally bad. And I, I love this scripture because often, and I thought about this, often when you speak to someone, you go, Marco, you're such a good guy. Like, yes, I love you, bro. Like, you, you just, when you come into the room, the room lights up. And we all know those conversations because we all know what's coming. It's called a conjunction. 
And the conjunction is, but. Right? We've all been, it's terrible to say, we've all been through this conversation of like, you're so good, but. And often I'll say to people, okay, I'm waiting, what is the but? And if there isn't one, I'm like, okay, awesome, that's great. Thanks for encouraging me, that's wonderful. But often there is that thing, there's that thing of like, anyway, there is that but. And we see that in scripture. We were actually, we were in Holland at the beginning of the year. And uh, I feel like this with scripture sometimes. There's a thing called Dutch directness. And uh, you can actually Google it, which is crazy. But it's a real thing. If you go to Holland, they will say to you, Heike, I really don't like the clothes you're wearing today. And as a, as a South African, you're going, what the heck has just happened? Like, have I offended? And they, but that's just normal for them. They're like, and in response, Heike would normally, as a Dutch person, go, yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks for your honesty. And then they would move on, and they'd have a great day. Whereas we would take it personally. But I feel, yeah. But scripture is quite direct, actually. It's goes, it, doesn't, it doesn't go, oh, you're so awesome, you're so awesome, you're awesome, but, but. It goes, no, this is the problem. This was the problem. You were dead in your sins. You were by nature children of wrath. And in fact, that was the predicament you were in from the time that you were born. Romans 5.18 says this. It says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And so we find ourselves in this place. And Scripture says, this is who you were. This is what you were. And then that wonderful thing, that wonderful conjunction comes in that scripture and he says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. Do you, get, do you understand what that means? <laughs> it says this in Romans 5. It says this, you see... At just the right time, when you were still powerless, in sin, doesn't say that, I'm adding in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while you were in your worst phase of your life where you were sinning and you were anti-God, Christ still died for you. And he chose to die for you while you were in that state. He didn't wait for you and go, I'm just going to wait until maybe Blake is a good person and then, then it will apply to him. No, while Blake was far from God, Jesus said, I've already died. I've made a sacrifice for you. Come to me. That's incredible. And so the, the penalty of our, of our sin is taken away. He removes it completely. And we can stand before him justified and cleared, clean and clear of all of that sin. And that is, in essence, the gospel. Really, it is. Spiritually, we were dead and we were brought back to life because of the price that Christ Jesus paid for all of us on the cross. And so you might say, well, I'm grateful that I'm forgiven. It's wonderful. But there are still physical reminders of the past. Who of us here have got physical reminders of the past, of what's happened? I think it's, it's all of us. It would be very hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't. 
Maybe past traumas or past sadness or hurts or consequences for past actions. I'm sure we all have that. How does the gospel and God help me with that? It's great that spiritually I've been forgiven. He's paid the price. I, my sins are removed from me, but I, I'm still carrying the consequences or, or things have happened and I, they're still very much in my past and I'm aware of them. And so we get to this thing of living with the past. And I, I want to break this into two sections. I think there's two sides to it. There's things that we have done and things that have happened to us. Okay, and I think there's a distinction there. Things that we have done and things that have happened to us. Firstly, things we have done, and this is a common question that people often ask. It's, well, I'm, now I'm saved. Won't the consequences of anything I've done simply disappear? I'm a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old is gone. But there are consequences for our actions. As much as we have been forgiven. We can stand forgiven, going, Jesus, I, I might have made mistakes, and I'm, I'm maybe living with the past in this sense, but I know I'm forgiven in you. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And you, we think of King David, he was a man after God's own heart. And yet this man who, who, was, who was made king, he was the most unlikely person ever to become king. This shepherd boy becomes king, and yet he commits adultery and murder. And throughout his reign, there's these consequences that he has to live with. His, his sons are, I don't want to go into what his sons did. They weren't very nice people. The sons of King David. And then God says to David, you, you won't build my temple because of the blood that you have shed. And so David lives with those consequences of past actions, but he always lives knowing he's forgiven by God. And say, so writes these amazing psalms of how good God is and how gracious He is, knowing that He's forgiven. And still living in some sense with, with, with the things or the consequences of His past actions. So that, that, that kind of relates to the things that we've, we've done, right? And I, I think we can all relate to that. And that's not to say that God, God can't work in those consequences. I think God can redeem anything. He really can. So... Hear me when I say that. And secondly, we have things that have happened to us. And uh, you could list any number of things for anyone sitting in this room. There's things like oh, and abuse and neglect and divorce and death. And how do we live with those things? Or how do we live with the results of those things? Bearing in mind always that we have been forgiven. And I, I don't want to get too heavy, but maybe for me, and Heike can tell you this, I, I can kind of live with, yeah, <laughs> it's often the past losses that can weigh more heavily on us than the past victories. I don't know if you like that as well, but I, I feel the losses a lot more than I feel the times that I've had victory or, or joy. Maybe that's just me personally. It might just be my, my natural predisp predisposition. But we've all been through these things, right? Neglect and, as I said, any number of things. And often when we, we go through these things, culture will say to us, just get over it. How many of us have heard that? Like, I think, honestly, I think people, you're walking through a really tough phase and people will walk with you for a breath and they get to the point and they're just going like, yes, Oak, you just need to get over it now. 
And, and hear me when I say that, because I think maybe for some people there is a point where we can be prone to living too much in the past or living and going like, I'm never going to be free from this thing. This is who I am. And so people can get to that point, they say, get over it. But I, I, just thinking through this, I don't think that God says, get over it, as much as he says, I'll get you through it. Oh, we can, <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always reminded of God's grace. I was talking to my mom-in-law, and she, she uh, Ronwin, you all know her. <laughs> if you don't, you can meet her with, with soup and bread. But, uh, <laughs> But she, uh, lately she's just been going, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm discovering new the grace of God, the mercy of God. And I think for, for people, we're so quick to forget the mercy of God, actually. Like, we're just like, ah, bro, it's been like a year, really? Can we just move on from this trauma? Like, no. God gets us through it. And we have these promises from David, the very king who, who, in many senses, blew it, but knew he was forgiven. He says this, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Or Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to those, is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. How many of you know that sometimes the consequences of your actions can crush you? Well, Psalm 23, 4. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And we'll all walk through valleys at some point in our lives, but we always know that he walks with us. And we all have past experiences that we need to live with, but he is there in them with us, walking alongside, comforting and counseling. Just as we saw in worship now, there was a space, and, and I hope we know this as a church, there's a space where in worship you can come to the Holy Spirit and go, please comfort me, please counsel me. As much as we can go to people, I don't want to disqualify that, because actually there's, you know, there's amazing people who can help you walk a journey out of your past and go, you know what, let's, let, me, let, me, let me walk this through with you. But he's the greatest counselor. And even better if you, if you partner with a Christian counselor who then along with the Holy Spirit can go, let's walk you through this thing. Let's walk it out so that you can find redemption and grace and mercy and actually find what Jesus' heart is in this situation. But I don't believe God says to you, just get over it as much as he says he'll walk us through it. I... Um, Many of you know, and we, I preached last year about walking roads, a, a journey or running the race. And uh, I said to you, we're going to finish the 13 peaks, which is, I don't know why I said it publicly, but uh, I made, that, I made that, that error. And I said, well, we're going to do the 13 peaks, and I'll tell you how far we've got. And uh, so we've done nine since December. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Don't be that surprised. <laughs> You're like, What? We've done nine. Okay, we've got four more to go. We did Platter Clip on Monday. Who's done Platter Clip? What a horrible walk, eh? I mean, really. 
It's literally just a path up the mountain, and that is it. Like, there's nothing redeeming about that path at all. And I had to, I had to really coach Hiker through that, because she was... <laughs> <laughs> so my pastoral skills came to the fore, and I was like, even though we walked through the valley of the shadow of death... <laughs> And so the Holy Spirit is our counselor and our comfort, and he does, and he walks through, and he walks with us, and we can go to him with everything. But as I, was, as I walk through a lot of mountains, up a lot of mountains, I'm always, I always see these trees, and there are these branches and these trees next to the path. And what I love about these branches is they are smooth, which means that many thousands of people have grabbed that tree, just like I am at that point, and they've grasped on it, and they've, over the years, have smoothed it out. And it's a bit of comfort going like, I'm not the only one who's really struggling at this point. But I want to say as much as, as the Holy Spirit is our counselor, he puts people in our lives that we can cling on to. And I want to say in this church, there are many trees or people that you can cling to in time of need. And go, I'm struggling with things in my past, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that. There's consequences, please help me. And those people will be there, and you grab them. And what's beautiful about it is they are smooth to the touch. Because they've been there before, and they've walked the journey out before with many other people. Find those people in the congregation. And along with them and the Holy Spirit, walk out this journey of redemption. Don't do it all alone, all the time. And I want to say this, as much as we find ourselves living with things that have happened to us, and, and, and it is real, and I'm not downplaying it at all, but we've all been through traumas, and we've all had things in the past that, that maybe come back to haunt us. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit walks us, as he does the Valley of the Shadows, that he walks us through those things and out of those things. He doesn't leave us in those things. Because as we've seen in Scripture, he says this. Hmm. Yeah, okay. He does say that. <laughs> he says that he walks with us through the valley, that he binds up and he's close to you. There's this picture of binding up, which means it's a restorative healing process. Not just he is close to the brokenhearted and that's it. Okay, I'm close to you. No, he binds us up as much as he walks with us and he comforts us with a rod and a staff. Okay, I, I, I want to stress that, that there's, this, there's this thing of we, we go through things, but he does see us through them. And then if that's not enough, even though he says he will heal us, he will bind up, he will save, and he will redeem us, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes. And so even in the darkest situation, in whatever you're living with, the consequences of whatever past actions there were, he still says that he will work it somehow for your good. And so there's hope. There's hope in, in patience, in knowing that whatever it is, God will work it out in your life. And that should give us great comfort. 
And then the last point is living in the past. And I think there's a danger, as we saw now, of, of making the past your identity, of living in that thing, of going, this is who I am, I can't get out of it. Because as we'll see next week, we have to start living in the present in order, and then eventually we will look at what it looks like to live in the future. But we, as believers, we, we live in the present. We don't live in the past. They're getting the soup ready. That, that was a cue. That was a visual cue, everybody. It's almost over. <laughs> that was like coordinated. I loved it. Okay. Do you want to get stuck? Okay, two more. Okay. <laughs> so, so just quickly, this is the last point. But living in the past. And I, I think it's, you don't want to get stuck there. But when I was younger, people always told me about people who came from Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. And there were these people, they weren't, they weren't an indigenous group, like you get the Shona and the Beni. They were called the Wenwis. And people always used to laugh, it, and it, became a bit of a sta- it is a bit of a standing joke. And the, the thing was, you'd be talking to an ex-Rhodesian, they'd go, when we were in Rhodesia. And it just became like, oh, bro, you are so living in the past. Like, you're not there anymore. And it became this, and I, and I get it, like, I, I think... I suppose if you leave your country, that does happen, I get it. But it was this thing of like, they're living there and they can't move forward into what God has for them all. And, and I think sometimes Christians do that as well. I often meet with, with Christians who have like, I remember back in the day, I did this for Jesus. I'm like, that is amazing. What a fantastic testimony. What are you doing today? Nothing. All right, let's change that. <laughs> Like there are, there's, I was reading about the, the stones that the Israelites set up in the River Jordan, these stones of remembrance, right? They've, they've been delivered through the Red Sea and they, they set up these 12 stones and it's good to remember what God has done in your life. It's great. Please keep doing that. But uh, for example, Jeff Kidwell, who knows Jeff Kidwell? He's going to preach here soon. I love Jeff because you'll sit with Jeff and you'll go like, yes, Dylan, back in 1983, like the Holy Spirit did this. And I'm like, yes, that's amazing, Jeff. And you go like, yeah, and then last week, I was this, and the Holy Spirit did this. And I'm like, he's not stuck there. Like, Jeff is, I love hearing Jeff's, I think, <laughs> Jeff, if you're listening. But <laughs> sometimes I feel like Jeff tells me stories just to see how far I can get away with it. Like, and just to freak me out a bit. Like, the one time he's telling me a story, I'm like, yes, Jeff, I don't know, bro. Like... I trust you, I believe you, but that is wild, man. And he's like, well, it happened. I was like, okay, cool. And, and then the next time he tells me another thing, and I'm like, ah, oh, Jeffrey, man, like, oh, okay. No, but it's amazing. He's got incredible stories, and I'm sure he'll share some when he comes to preach with us. But if you are a believer who's been in the faith for any length of time, wonderful that you've experienced God in the past, but what is he doing in your life today? Don't live in that space forever, because he's doing stuff. He did stuff tonight. In fact, many of you could have a testimony going tonight. Yes, I prayed for this person and this happened. That is amazing. Like, it's awesome, right? So that's not just for the older guys. It's for, you know what, that could be yesterday. What happened yesterday was in yesterday. What happens tomorrow and today is what happens today. For the young guys, for the New Hope guys. God might be doing something today and tomorrow he'll do something amazing. Don't live in what he did yesterday. Thank him for what he did. Thank you, Jesus. You did that in my life. What are you doing today? And you keep walking. 
And you end up with incredible stories of God's faithfulness and God's goodness in your life. And it's a, it's a current story, not an old story where you go back to the past all the time. Okay, so let me end this because the soup is in full swing. So we celebrate the past, but we live in the present. And we share stories of what God has done, but we don't live in them. Because there's many opportunities for what God is going to do in, our, in this church and in our lives. And so in closing, we rest assured that we are forgiven of our past. I hope that's come through. I want you to have assurance that if you believe in Christ, that you are forgiven of your past. That those sins have been wiped away and you can stand before him justified and clean and righteous. And that we can live with our past experiences and still find healing and restoration from them. And we can decide to remember the past but not to live in it. Okay. Does that make sense to everyone? I think I've tried to cover as much of the past as I possibly can. And next week we'll talk about the present and hopefully the week after about the future. So let me just...